Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel 27. Look at verse 1. It says, Then David said to himself, David said to himself, this is David, he's talking to himself right here. The New King James Version, I think, probably translates this a little more accurately. It says, David said, in his heart. And remember, you know, the heart is the center of the being to a Jewish person. The word itself is, is lab in Hebrew. And according to Strong's, it's used figuratively in, in a wide sense for, for the feelings that you have, the will, and the intellect, all three of those involved. So you can think about, you know, David is, he's listening to himself and he's, his feelings get involved. And then his own intellect, his own will. That's where he starts off. David is speaking to himself. Instead, he should have been paying attention to what God had already shown him and told him. So on one hand, his feelings are saying to him, follow along in verse 1 again, look at what his feelings are saying to him. It kind of reminds me of Eeyore. Now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. That's what his feelings are telling him. There's nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistines. What? Saul then will despair of searching for me anymore in all the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. So you see where he went from his feelings to his intellect. He's got this figured out. And then it goes over to his will. And he does what he says to himself. Well, I got news for you. In case you didn't know this, I want to tell you something. Your feelings will lie to you. Did you know that? They will tell you things that aren't true. We get our feelings hurt all the time, and then we start thinking things. You know, uh, someone says something bad about us, and all of a sudden, you know, we're... We're thinking, oh, I'm this terrible person. You're, they're right. I did this. I did that. Or maybe you're the other way, and you're, you know, you're telling the other person he's a jerk. But that would be me. But you're probably thinking, oh, I am. I'm just terrible. I'm just. And you go on and you go on and you go on and you go on, and your feelings start lying to you. And they lie to you about your situation, and they lie to you about what you should be doing. See, God had already shown David that he was going to be king over Israel, not just once, but many times. If you wanted to turn back and look, you could First Samuel 16, 13. Remember, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel told him, I'm anointing you to be king. Jonathan, Saul's son, David's brother. In 1 Samuel 18, 3 through 5, he says, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him, and most scholars agree this was probably a royal robe because he was the natural heir, and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. And what he was saying is, look, I'm giving this to you because you're the one that's going to inherit this throne. Abigail, remember just two chapters ago? 
Abigail, what did she speak to David? In 1 Samuel 25, 28 through 31, she said, For the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master, her master being David, that's how she's speaking to him, because he fights the Lord's battles. Let no wrongdoing be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has done for my master every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him leader over Israel, my master will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. Remember, Abigail, through this prophecy, helped David to not make mistakes earlier. And even Saul himself, in chapter 24, verse 20 said, I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. David, how many times do you have to be told? After all of this, why would David think that now all of a sudden God's going to abandon him and say such a thing as, I will surely die at the hands of Saul? It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Except that we're human too. Now look, certainly we can understand David's feelings, right? He's been running around for a long time. He's tired of getting chased everywhere and threatened by Saul and... And so we can understand that he might react in fear still and in despair, just letting all that sink into him. You know, he knows the reality of the situation. Even though Saul said to him, okay, you know, that's it, I'm done. I'm not going to chase you around anymore. He knows Saul's lied before. He said that before, and he certainly didn't follow through on that. So David's experience tells him, look, Saul may do this all over again. I don't know. So he allows that to sink in, and then he begins to think, I better take some action here. But it is interesting if you look back in chapter 26 that, you know, Saul basically went home. I don't know if Saul had any real intention of chasing David around anymore or not. We don't know. And the problem is, we'll never know. Yet the actions David takes here now are wrong. He could take an action, but what he's doing is wrong. Why? Because he's never asked the Lord what he should be doing. He just goes by his feelings and his own intellect and his own will, and he's thinking not according to the Spirit, but according to the flesh. He has a plan of his own devices now. If he would have inquired, think about that. What if he would have inquired and said, Okay, God, what do you want me to do now? I know Saul says he's not coming after me, but he told me that before. What should I do? Should I stay here? Should I go back? Certainly, I think if he would have asked God, I think the last thing he would have ever heard is, go into the land of your enemies and serve the king of your enemies. But we'll never know. It is true now, if we look at verse 4, that Saul does stop pursuing David. So on the surface, we could look at it and go, well... You know, it worked. It worked. Saul's not pursuing him anymore. But everything that happens beyond that tells us this was the wrong thing to do. It tells us that David is operating out of fear and despair for his life 
rather than standing on the promises of God. God has given His promise to David that He will be king. Look, if that doesn't happen, what does that make God? A liar. Or at least incompetent to make it happen. So rather than consulting himself, self, he should have been consulting God. So this brings us to our, and you guys know how I am, this is our first lesson for the night. Our first lesson is this. When we begin to feel fear and despair because of the circumstances that we're in, we need to turn to God's word and we need to stand on his promises rather than act on our feelings. Can I say that again? When we feel ourselves getting in that place of fear and despair because of the circumstances that we're in, we need to turn to God and his word and we need to stand on his promises rather than act on our feelings. You know, when we were over the other day at the building, we were writing scriptures on there, and I was, I was one of them that didn't want to stand on the scriptures, and, and my wife said, no, we're standing on the Word of God. <laughs> well, that's a physical act, but we're talking about the actions that we take should be according to the promises that God has given us. And then you might say, well, that's, that's, that's great, Pastor, but God's never promised me anything like he did David. God's never spoken to me like four different times and promised me that this was going to happen. So, so what if I'm in a situation where if I don't obey my boss and, and do something unethical, I may get fired? Am I protected for sure? Did God promise me that I won't get fired? Or what if I'm serving in the military or maybe on the front lines of, of the police force or fire department? Has God promised me that I'm going to be protected all the time? Well, the answer to that is no. Not in a general sense. You're not promised that. But God might speak to you in a specific situation if you ask. If you come to him rather than acting out of fear or despair and say, God, what should I do? He may give you a promise. He may tell you that he's going to protect you. Same way that he did with Davis. David. But generally, we don't have that promise of protection from all physical harm or hardship or even physical death. In fact, we have a promise of the opposite. In John 16.33, Jesus tells us, in this world, you will have tribulation. That is a promise. You know, the word faith guys don't like to bring that verse up much. That is a promise. But in that same passage, he promises us this. He says, but... He has overcome the world. And that means that nothing can take away the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. That's the promise that we have. Turn to Romans 8, if you would. Romans chapter 8. I know you've heard this passage before, but it's so important to make this point. Romans 8, starting in verse 35. And you could start many verses earlier, and I, when you get home tonight, I encourage you to do that. Romans 8.35, Paul says this, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake 
We're being put to death all day long. We were considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, but in all these things, all these things, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, being put to death all day long, in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. I think Paul was trying to cover every possible scenario. (laughs) Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to note right here, because I think we take this verse out of context a little bit and misapply the meaning a little bit. We say, yeah, we're more than conquerors, as though we're going to conquer everything in our life. Every single trial we have, we're going to get the victory. Every single thing that, you know, that happens, we're going to end up on top. Well, if that's your experience, praise God. It hasn't been my experience. My first year as a head football coach, I went one and nine. That means one win, nine losses, and we didn't conquer too much. It wasn't that fun. It doesn't mean that. Look at what it says. It says, in spite of all of these things, we are conquerors with nothing to fear. Why? Because our eternal destiny, as Stevie Wonder used to say, is signed, sealed, and delivered. It's done. It's finished. It will happen. When we are in Christ, it's taken care of. Our promise from Jesus Christ is that we will live eternally with him and nothing, nothing, nothing will change that. You see, our victory is not just what takes place in this world that we live in now. It's the eternal victory. John 14, Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. And I want you to think about this in terms of when you're in those circumstances. And this is what David should have been thinking. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That is your promise. No matter what happens to us here, that promise is as solid as the one that he gave to David. And David did become king, did he not? And that's why we can face those circumstances that bring fear and despair and trouble and trial and tribulation because we have that promise. It's our eternal security. It's not our temporal security. But I want to tell you this. If you're holding on too tight to this world, If you're thinking that it's all about this life and what matters is what's here and now, then you're going to be much more apt to give in to fear and despair when it happens. You'll be tempted to go down the dark road like David did. The Bible tells us that we're not to love this world or the things of it. We're in it, but we're not of it. So don't hang on too tight. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24 through 27, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must, what? 
Boy, we don't like this one. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life, that means the life of this world, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. So he's telling us, don't hang on to this world. Don't hang on too tight. If we're going to follow him, we have to let loose of the things of this world. Once we have let loose of things, then it's, it's like Bob Dylan said, when you got nothing, you got... Come on, you guys know that? You got nothing to lose. We have to kind of look at our situation that way. Then we can say like Paul, look, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I've given up my will and how I want it to be done and what may happen to me. I just want to live my life for the Lord and go and do the things He wants me to do. Then it's easier to not go down those roads. It's easier to not fear what might happen to us. Now, I'm not saying we want to face hardship. Nobody likes that. But when it comes, we'll know that the, the trial and tribulation we're going through are temporary. And as Paul said, they're not worthy to, worthy to be compared to the glory that lies before us. Ultimately, we know this. We're going to be delivered from any trial that we may ever face. So stand on that promise. All right, lesson number two. This is a hard one to hear. Once you choose to start going down that dark road, things generally get progressively worse. You think back with David. The last time he went over to the Philistines, you remember what happened? He decided to do this once before. And remember, he had to act like a madman, have you know drool going down his beard and everything, and act crazy so they'd kick him out. The difference was, at that time, it was only him. He didn't have to worry about everybody else. Now it's worse because he has led... Now think about this. He's got these 600 men. He's got their wives and their children, their families. And think about how loyal these men must be to him. I mean, can you imagine marching into Philistine territory that they might have been saying, first he doesn't kill Saul when he has a chance. Now we're going to the enemy. What is he doing? And yet, they're extremely loyal. They follow him. And at first, he just goes into the court of Achish, and he stays there. Now, you know, here again, it was like, okay, David, you got a chance. Now you could, you could go to God now and say, what am I doing here? I've done this before. But instead, it goes downhill, and it gets worse. He says, I think I'm going to stay here for a while, so give me a city to stay in. And he stays for a total of 16 months in Philistine territory. And it's during that time, think about this, it's during that time that he sinks lower and lower and lower into depravity. He becomes this robber, this thief, this murderer, and this liar. 
It actually gets even worse than that, if you can imagine that, because in chapter 28 that we'll be getting to uh, next week, you'll see that David, and remember, David is the anointed king of Israel. He hasn't taken the throne yet, but he is the chosen king of Israel. And remember, he said it once in chapter 27, but he'll say it again in chapter 28. He calls himself the servant of Achish, the Philistine king. These are the bad guys. These are the guys that sent Goliath out to taunt and torment his Hebrew brothers. And he eventually had to go kill him. And now he's saying, I'm your servant. And you'll see in chapter 28, he's even willing to go to battle against his own countrymen to prove his loyalty to Achish. Now, some people say there was a, you know, they was kind of acting almost like a double agent, but I don't know. We'll wrestle with that when Pastor Michael teaches us next week. But God intervenes and he doesn't have to do it. You think about how low can he really get? And you know, when we go down that road and we give in to our fear and despair and instead of trusting God, it's going to do the same thing. It's going to get progressively worse. And you know, we can end up serving our enemy just the way David was serving his enemy. When we go down a dark road, we can serve our enemy. You know, Achish here becomes kind of a, kind of a type of Satan here when you think about it because if, as you read in, in the next chapter here and even in chapter 27, you'll see in uh, verse 12 he says about David, he surely made himself odious among his people, Israel, therefore he will become my servant forever. You see, Achish wants to own David. He wants to own him. In chapter 28, he decides to make David his permanent bodyguard. And when we choose to go our own way instead of seeking God's way, Satan can get his hooks into us as well. And we can end up serving him. And that's his intention. That's what he wants. You know, I I think about how many people, especially, you know, I think about over the past 50 years. And I, you know, taught high school for 37 years and I just watched this happen and I look at how many people went down the dark road of drug use, giving in to feelings of despair that they may have had, and, and how that progresses into more and more depravity, the same way that we see David in here. You know, think about it. You know, at first, you're just taking a drug, but then what happens? You run out of money, so you do what? And I always used to tell my health students this, you show me a drug addict, I'll show you a liar, a cheat, and a thief. Why? Well, because you're going to run out of money eventually. And so you lie about your drug use and you you cheat and you steal so you can get money to buy drugs. And then almost, not always, but many, many times, what happens next? What's the next step of the progression? Now you go to work for who? The drug dealer. And he owns you. He got his hooks into you. He was the one that gave you the drugs to begin with. It's, It's such a good analogy of what happens here. So now you're owned by this drug dealer, but ultimately you're not owned by the drug dealer because he's owned as well. You're both owned by Satan himself. You're serving him. You don't want to start down that road because it's tough to get out of it once you've gone that direction. And it will get progressively worse. I told you this was a hard chapter. Lesson number three. Choosing to scheme your way to a desired end Instead of seeking God's direction, it can become a habit. 
I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but when you start figuring out ways to do things and you're not seeking the Lord, you tend to do it again and again. That's what David did. You know, he schemed before. Once he went over to Achish, he was scheming to do another terrible thing before, but Abigail saved him from that one. You know, we see that in a lot of Bible characters. Hi, everybody. This is Cameron Thomas here, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Michael. And we're about to embark on a new adventure for Living Truth Radio. It's not going to replace the program that you're listening to right now. It's actually in addition to what you're listening to. So, Pastor Michael, what's this new adventure that we're embarking on? The new adventure is called The Bible Answer Show, Cameron. And it is a show to get questions from our listening audience and to give them answers. The tagline is, you've got questions, we've got answers. At least we hope to have all the answers, Cameron. And so it's a live interaction show, Q&A style. When can people listen to this new show? This show is going to be on from 12 to 1 Pacific time every Friday. So that's the time, 12 to 1 Pacific time on Fridays. And how can people access this? There's a number of ways to access it, Cameron, and the hub of it all is livingtruthradio.org. That's our website. And I'm hoping that our listening audience has already been there, livingtruthradio.org. And there they'll be able to find out all the different ways to interact with the Bible Answer Show. And the different vehicles are Facebook Live, live YouTube channel. We'll have podcasting where they can go back and listen to the show later. And they can even email questions to us at answers at livingtruthradio.org. That's answers at livingtruthradio.org. Awesome. So make sure you guys get those questions into us because otherwise we're trying to guess what questions you have and we're not mind readers. So get those questions into us so we can answer them for you on Fridays. Pastor Michael, anything? Last thoughts? Well, you're kind of the Facebook guy, Cameron, and I was thinking when people go to a Facebook Live and they they have to like the Bible Answer Show, right? So tell them about how to like it and then how to get their questions. You have to go to facebook.com slash Bible Answer Show. There's no the, just Bible Answer Show. And you like the page, and if you follow us on Facebook Live on Fridays, you can actually ask your questions there. That's the only real live format that you can ask your questions. Otherwise, you have to email them in. And when they do that, they'll be able to interact with us live and get their questions answered right there on the spot. So that's it's going to be great, Cameron, and we're really excited. And hey, I just want to tell you guys... Keep us in prayer on the Bible Answer Show. We're adding this as a new show. We know you have questions, and you may have friends, family members have questions. They may live in other states or even another country. Tell them about the show. Keep us in prayer, and join us this Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific time on the Bible Answer Show. Can't wait to be with you guys. On behalf of Living Truth Radio and Pastor Michael Lance, blessings to you all. LivingTruthRadio.org Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.